0: Anything in life that's worthy is going to come with risk.
1: Having differences of opinions and having different viewpoints will only hmm. make your company better. So you're looking for things where the conventional wisdom is wrong. That's sort of the holy grail.
0: The SME Empower Podcast. Dream big, act bigger. So, three, two, one, and we're live. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the SME Empower podcast. I am your host Max Kituba, and I'd like to officially welcome Loïc Ballister, the co-founder of Optimetrics, a leading field force automation software company, and the chairman of French Tech Nairobi. So, welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you.
1: Thank you, Max. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be on the on the podcast as well.
0: Uh, fantastic. So, uh, do you mind giving us a brief intro into who Loïc is? What you do now and how you got to where you are today?
1: No, no, absolutely with pleasure. Uh, so I'm doing different things at the moment. I'm the co-founder and uh, operations director for the for the, the company Optimetrics Pro. and I also work as the growth lead for different markets where we operate. Um, and on the side, I also work as the chairman for um, the French Tech Nairobi community. Which is an initiative I can describe more in details later on if you want. Uh, So I split my time between those two roles, um, and I've been been living in Nairobi for the last seven years, uh, but about to move to other location at the end of the year. So, yeah.
0: Wow, Uh, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you for that. So, uh, could you share the background behind Optometrics and? share how you got started, uh, what you do as a company, and how long you've been doing it.
1: So yeah, absolutely. So at Optimetrics, we started as a market research company. So we're selling services to our clients. Uh, And we started out of Uganda almost eight years ago. Um, So we're doing some basically retail audits for, uh, for companies in East Africa. Where they basically need us to work a the team and go on the field and, and collect a few information from from their clients to understand a bit better the the market and then we'll just put together some results presentation we present to them and we do that a few times a year right so for example for telco operators uh, we used to do that four times a year once every quarter um, and we so we've we've been doing that for we had we done we we did that for almost three years, I think, uh, we expanded our operations to, to West Africa as well. So working we were working with some uh, telco operators in, in Mali, Senegal, uh, and so on as well in East Africa, so Uganda, Kenya, uh, and so on. And so in order to do that, what we what we did back in the days that we created our own application uh, for data collection. So it was a mobile application, but some in-house developers that did that for us. Um, And we basically equipped uh, the guys or the the field operators we were recruiting to do this kind of task uh, for them to be able to use it and collect the data. And as we, um, so one thing we do at optimetrics we still do today, is that we spend a lot of time with our clients in the field. Um, So we we regularly invited our clients to follow our teams in the field to understand how uh, they were working, what what kind of, of data they were collecting. And a few times our clients were just asking us what was this application and if we could maybe lend it for for them to use for their own uh, own field force or sales. Uh, sales reps delivery guys and so on and at first we we didn't want to do that right that's something that's a tool we had used internally for us to to, to operate and after a few a few times a few of our clients asking about this uh, we decided that was maybe a good a good idea for us to to pivot to pivot and to um to go from a service company to a product company so we what we ended, we, we ended up doing is that we Uh, We put a lot more effort in developing the solution. Uh, We did did spend a lot of time with our clients to understand their needs and try to tailor the solution uh, for it to create more value for them. And then we started selling uh, this product, this solution for our clients to use. Uh, So that's uh, that's what we've been doing for the last five years, um, I would say. Uh, And so that's when we transitioned from Optimetrics, which was uh, the former name, which is still the name of the head company, uh, to FieldPro, which is more of the solution we use now and we and we promote and we sell to our clients. So just to give a quick recap, so FieldPro is a mobile and web-based uh, platform. We help organization to include. We, we help organization in different sectors. so It can be consumer goods, uh, financial services, and telco operators, FMCG companies to easily simplify and manage and automate their day-to-day field operations, thanks to this uh, to this application for them to be more efficient. Uh, and the aim ultimately is to be able to connect all the different actors in the distribution ecosystem, right? From the producers to uh, to the outlets, the, the end consumers sometimes. Um, so that's uh, that's how we transitioned. And um, so as, as I was saying before, we do spend a lot of time with our our clients to understand their names, uh, their needs. And what we identified um, through those interactions is different use case um, that regularly come back that are, that are the most common use case for our clients. And thanks to this, we're able to develop tailored solutions. So for example, for so we have different names, right? For Fit Pro Sales is going to be more for consumer goods companies. Feed Pro Agent networks going to be more for the telco and financial services companies um agri sourcing. we do we do a lot of work with uh with agriculture companies as well uh so that's um so yeah that's how we uh we started that's how we we transition uh from a service company to, to a product-led company as well um that's,
0: that's such, such a, a unique and powerful story. story and um it's a very it's interesting look, look into how you can pivot a service, service, business service business into a product-led business, business. uh over a long time span, eight years is, is quite long, and it looks like you know the company has changed uh, over time and evolved into what it is. So, congratulations on that. So, um, do you mind just double clicking into that aspect of the the thought process of, let's say, like put me in the in the shoes of you uh, going and pitching to your co-founder. Right. right. Let's, Let's say, say I'm your co-founder founder, and you, you say, say that, that okay, OK, we this is an, an actual product. product. Like, I think, I think we're onto something. Right. right. What, what did you tell it? him? Because this, this is, is an, an entirely this entire, is an entirely different, uh, different um, type, of type of business. It's a shift in what you had uh, initially envisioned in for the business. business. So, so is, is that, that transition something, something that took a long time, a short time? And how exactly did you sell it to your co-founder?
1: So the, the idea, of course, the, the idea didn't come from me uh, exclusively, right? We, well, the, the three of us um, in touch, uh, having regular interaction with our clients. And I think this idea came up to us pretty much at the same time. So I didn't have to pitch my conform- co-founders uh, this, uh, this change in, in, in business model. Uh, but we did have a lot of discussions around this. I think the switch it to be validated and for us to put in place uh, what was needed for us to transition took maybe six months. And um, it was pretty obvious for us that uh, it was a natural move to, to make at some point, because for, for several reasons, right? We are operating um, as a service company and it was very difficult to scale the business. You know, Every single project was uh, quite different. It required a lot of setup time. A lot of time spent by our time by by our team, you know, reviewing the results, setting up a lot of follow up in the in the field with uh, with our field of uh, of collectors of uh, our team of collectors as well. So it was pretty uh, hectic every time, even though it was good money, right? So we are still doing it, but at some point we figured out that um, there was no way we could actually scale this business. And when the the idea of uh, transitioning to a product like company and basically seeing selling a SaaS product uh, came up. Um, it was pretty obvious for us, it was the path for us to scale. We'd be able to um, identify some uh, some use case, we'd be able to, uh, to sell some recurring licenses um, to our clients. And it was a good means for us also to be able to do some financial projection uh, because you know on a SaaS, uh, the SaaS business model, you sell uh, licenses um, or you, less, you sell a product uh, every, every month. And then you can um, you can have some um, yeah projections of your financials and revenues on a yearly basis so it was easier for us to to also project um, in the future of the companies that's why this we decided to do that Uh, and to be honest but also more exciting uh, adventure than staying uh, as a service company i would say wow that's
0: that's really interesting and i think it's a very courageous decision and i'm glad that that you made it. Um, so, you know, you work as an operator and growth lead within uh, your company. So, could you enlighten us on your experience in scaling this company to over 50 countries, and your experience operating in um, and a machine that spans three continents?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> so, maybe to give a bit a bit of context, um, so I told you we. Uh, started out of uh, east Africa right uh, so we have our main office um, op- operations office I would say uh, in Kenya right now in Nairobi where we have a bit more than 20 people but we also have expanded to other areas in, uh, in um, other regions of Africa so I told you we're operating out of uh, west Africa as well um, and we have an office there we have an, an office in, uh, in Senegal Dakar, with, uh, with a team that is growing at the moment so right now we have a bit more than 100 clients, I think, in a bit less than 50 countries. Um, so 40 of them in uh, in Africa, in Sub-Saharan Africa. We're expanding to Latin America, Europe as well, and uh, let's say Middle East uh, in a few. So that's quite uh, quite a wide uh, geog- geographical uh, area, and the way we manage to do that is basically that we uh, also we we foster. Um, how do you say uh, a philosophy, a remote philosophy for employees? We have uh, so we have, we have um, employees that work out uh, of, of Nairobi, out of Dakar, out of France as well now Mexico. And what we managed to put in place is a good company culture that allow people for to be responsible and autonomous and actually make decisions for for them to to grow the business on their own. I think everyone uh, has some ownership or feel some ownership uh, at least of uh, for the success of the company and we basically all push in the same direction now in terms of operations uh, the, the way we deal with our clients so obviously we have some english-speaking clients that are taken care of by the um by the team in nairobi we have french-speaking clients also uh, that are taken care of by the by the team in senegal and as it's a sas product uh, it's easy for us to deploy remotely right so we have a lot of processes that are put in place to make sure that the follow-up and the clients, the onboarding, uh, the usage is well tracked. And uh, as I told you before, when we can, uh, we try to spend a lot of time on the field with them. Um, so whether in Kenya or in Senegal, but also we travel uh, quite regularly to go to Nigeria where we have uh, some some people working out of, uh, of, of Nigeria. So They do spend a lot of time with the clients in the field, Ghana as well. Uh, those two countries are actually big, big, uh, big countries for us and anywhere else where we have like uh, big clients. So now we have an office in Mexico as well. We're expanding the operations, try to spend a lot of time with them on the on the field. Um, we try to keep this proximity with them. Uh, and that's basically how we get a lot of feedback. And we try to, to adapt the product to their needs uh, because ultimately we just want to create some value for them. right? Um, so we're not just trying to push some features that we, we think they're going to like we just take some feedback that's how we pivoted the company we listen to them and we basically build the product with them so that's uh, that's how we go how we go about this um yeah most of the time
0: Well that's um that's really impressive, impressive. and uh, and yeah, inspiring. inspiring um Just to follow up on that, I understand that you are are mostly mostly bootstrapped, bootstrapped, which is also also a very interesting interesting decision. decision. It looks looks like your company company is making very unique unique and interesting decisions, decisions, and I think that's um, commendable, first of all. But do you mind just sharing sharing why you made that decision decision and what that has meant for the company over the last last, uh, couple of years of its existence?
1: Sure, absolutely. So the, the, the reason, I think one of the main reasons why we decided not to raise money uh, at some point is because we were actually profitable from day one. So from the first project we had uh, in Uganda back in the days, um, we were positive. We had a positive cash flow. So uh, starting from that, we just we just try to push a bit more like this, uh, have more clients. Uh, be reasonable with your, with our expenses and see where it would go. And the thing is that over the last eight, eight years, we've been able to grow um, steadily as a company, uh, to grow steadily our client base without taking in any kind of investment. So it's a, it's, a, it's just that's that's the main reason we we're bootstrap because we didn't feel any need for us to raise money and accelerate. Because um, I think the all the co-founders and, uh, and business partners in this company share the same vision about the company is that we, we want to take it step by step. We don't want to, uh, to rush things and uh, maybe crash the company at some point. What we do is that it's, we iterate all the time. We take in the feedback, try to develop things. We validate uh, the concept um, before we actually push it to production and to the field. And it has been working for us um, so far. So for now, uh, I think we'll, we'll keep on going uh, like this for a while, um, because we, we can, basically. Uh, but uh, also, at some point, it's not excluded that we want to, to really accelerate uh, on one continent or another. We push or to push a totally new product uh, that we need uh, more money. Uh, so we're not close to the idea. But for now, the, 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 the thing is that we didn't need it. So we keep on. Uh, to keep on growing the company this way, um, I think it's a it's a sound way of, of, of doing things, and um, and we'll see in the coming years, depending on the opportunities as well.
0: Wow, that's a that's a really amazing story. Um, I, think I think that puts you in a very small category of software companies, especially, who've managed to do that, be profitable from day one, bootstrap, and uh, and grow. As much as you have, so you know. Congrats to the team; that's amazing. So, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, you have a sales background as well, and uh, you've excelled in B two B sales. Uh, so, do you mind giving us just a little bit of perspective on how to successfully approach B two B sales?
1: So, so thanks for the question. I, I I'm not sure I can give advice on how to be successful in B two B sales. The fact is. Really focused on on, on, um, on giving our clients the best uh, experience possible, and to really be close to them, so we increase their satisfaction. And um, the ways so to, to go back a little bit to how we expanded to uh, over forty countries now. Um, we, we've never really bet on an aggressive expansion strategy. So of course we're doing some prospection, but most of the time uh, we go through recommendations. So. Um, some clients we've been working on uh, with in Kenya um, to this day have helped us expand to another ten countries in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, either within the same group or with other companies they knew. So they recommended us. So that's what we do. We I, I really personally believe in compound effects. That if you give the best quality to um, and consistently to your clients uh, it will it will go back to you at some point uh, in the form of new new business So that's what we've been doing and um, so I think uh, well the only probably advice we could give on this would be to yeah uh, take care of your existing clients uh, make sure that they're satisfied try to help them grow uh, and they will probably help you grow in, uh, in return so um, that's probably the only The only thing I could say
0: on that. Yeah, that's a brilliant strategy. No, I don't know who said it. I think it was Einstein. Um, Let me not misquote, but there's someone who said that um, genius is really in simplicity. So, the simpler you can uh, make a problem or define something, then the more brilliant it tends to be. So, I think it's a really brilliant approach to B two B sales. And uh, and uh, but just out but just of curiosity, as yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm someone, who's someone who's very curious about curious sales. sales with your with first client, client. Let's say you're a market research firm, firm, you just started, just started, you have your co founders. Uh, uh, do you just walk, you just into, walk someone's into someone's building, building and, and you, know, you know, and say, you know, say, I want a meeting, uh, with, a meeting with, with the head of the this, head and head this
1: and this? Um, so well, uh, we've done that. Of course, when you when we, when we try to, to launch a company, that's something you do. I think the most successful we've been uh, since the beginning was more with people from our own network. So previous companies that were already working in Africa uh, and in some sectors we wanted to uh, to break in uh, would give us some introductions. But um, I think if we if we were to uh, to have a share of the companies we manage to sign uh, after some cold prospection uh, compared to the the, 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 the the people we already know we've been introduced to would be very low so um, so yeah not not a lot of cold calling on our side uh, but yeah trying to build on existing relationships and uh, and grow this way
0: that's very that's very, very smart, smart. thank smart. you a lot for that advice. Uh, so, um, so just, just, you know, you know changing know. gears a little bit, you're also the chairman of French Tech Nairobi, which is uh, an entrepreneurship community. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the community, what it is and, and what you do?
1: So, no, absolutely. So, this is another thing I do uh, part-time, so it takes less time than, um, than my, uh, my regular job. Uh, at Oxymetrix. Basically, the French Tech is an initiative, I think, was launched by the President Macron at the beginning of his first mandate. And the aim of this uh, initiative is to basically foster relationships between French entrepreneurs and local entrepreneurs uh, wherever they are. So in the meantime, um, we have launched, uh, I think, around 70 communities in as many countries. Uh, which is basically so as for the French uh, tech Nairobi is a community of, uh, of volunteers so it's totally uh, it's not paid that is trying to first uh, welcome the new French entrepreneurs so in my case Nairobi trying to put them in touch with um, a valuable network for them so partners clients uh, or just like-minded individuals, but also uh, trying to promote uh, and support startup in the local ecosystem. So in, in our case, in Nairobi, in Kenya, more in the tech ecosystem, but not only, for them to uh, be in touch one well with other entrepreneurs uh, or investors or uh, partners, you name it, but also to um, make it possible to an extent for them to do business with friends. So it's a, it's a two-way initiative. Uh, that is trying to create more values uh, for people who want to participate in it um, and we've relaunched this initiative so there was a new election at the, at the beginning of the year and we've built a new board um, of directors in Nairobi for this community and we've trying, we've been trying to yeah to make uh, make it more lively and, and and push it since the beginning of the year
0: Wow, oh, okay, that's amazing um what do you think uh, is the importance of communities, you know, in your experience, uh, communities of like-minded individuals uh, based on your experience? Why did you take this? You know, you don't need to, uh, you didn't need to take it for sure, but you decided to be the chairman of this community organization. So do you just share uh, a little bit about that?
1: So, So my personal point of view on this is uh, that I've been in the ecosystem for also, uh, several years now and I've been meeting uh, entrepreneurs and investors and business people uh, over those seven years and I felt like at some point I wanted to give back also to the ecosystem and try to make it grow. Um, because I've seen for myself for that when you're out there and you communicate on what you do and you try to help people and or just discuss um, what they do to try to understand, it opens your mind and it ends up creating opportunities, right? And so at some point I wanted to, I wanted to be part of this. I wanted to try to give back. Uh, and see if i if i could help those people and um, the the reality of it is that it was very easy for us to put together this group of people because they were already there and you already have a lot of other communities that are that are trying to do a similar job uh, i wanted to be part of this to to, to see if i could uh, if i could help um, and basically yeah create more value for everyone see if some opportunities for me but for other people could come out of it as well
0: Wow, that's um, that's amazing. That's a very fascinating and inspiring story. Uh, and just to follow up on that, why did you choose to start your company in Africa and in the Uganda, East Africa, specifically? Um, you know, given you're a French national as well, and you could have easily just, you know, probably started it there in the EU and you know in that entire space. So, what prompted you to choose Africa? So my business
1: partner, was the one at the at the beginning of the idea, was already working, I think, in East Africa with another company, and he identified uh, there was a lack of good uh, data or um, of precise data for pe- for people to basically develop in uh, in this region of the world. Um, so he crafted his idea around these needs and uh, why uh, Uganda or Kenya. Uh, the first client was out of. Um, I don't know how to say it in in, in English, but it was uh, uh, was an opportunity, right? Uh, So he met with someone who actually needed um, a company to make this market research for them, to lead this market research for them, and he decided to go. And once we had started in Uganda, we identified other clients that could could be working with us in the region, and we we saw that Kenya was probably the most most valuable place for us to, to settle down. Uh, because most of the clients who we wanted to work with were already settled in, uh, in Nairobi uh, and not uh, and not in Kampala. So we make the move to uh, to come to, to Kenya. And it was easier for us also to then go back to, to Uganda whenever we had a client there, but other countries in the region. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was out of an opportunity. Uh, we didn't just choose to go to, to Uganda uh, at first, saying this is where we're going to find the most clients. We had this opportunity. We took it, and out of uh, out of Uganda, we tried to grow, to grow the business. I
0: mean, that's uh, that's essentially what entrepreneurs do. Um, you're a professional on opportunist, so you you find opportunities, uh, you pursue them, and you create value. And I think that's um, that's really the whole story of entrepreneurship in a nutshell. So uh, we have a traditional last question uh, that we like to ask our guests. And uh, this question is, what kind of world would you like to create through your entrepreneurial endeavors?
1: That's a, that's a tough one, Max. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, that's, a, that's a loaded one. Um, honestly, I don't really know. I think it's uh, it's little steps. Um as I was saying before, when you when you create a community of, of entrepreneurs like this, or you, you lead it at least. Uh, you try to give back to uh, some people who have helped you already, and mm-hmm. I think collaboration around this kind of subject. So, for example, we had um, earlier this year an event around how uh, technology could foster or make it make agriculture more more efficient uh for people to eat well and so on this kind of uh, these kind of issues i think you have a lot of uh, a lot of work to do around this and uh you can only manage to to tackle these kind of issues by putting people together by them working together trying to find solution and uh and yeah grow, grow this way yeah that's amazing that's amazing uh thank you so much like for coming
0: onto the podcast we have thoroughly enjoyed having you on Hello again, everyone, and thank you for making it to the end. That was such a fantastic episode with Loïc. It was such a privilege to have him on. He was gracious enough to add that if anyone would like to reach out to him about French Tech, about anything else he does, he's always open to having those conversations. So thank you so much again for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time on the SME Empower podcast. All the best.